Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we aim to explore the science of crime and the practical application of the science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Use Bosch Camera's onboard intelligent video analytics to quickly locate important recorded incidents or events. Bosch's forensic search saves you time and money by searching through hours or days of video within minutes to find and collect video evidence. Learn more about intelligent video analytics from Bosch in Zones 1-4 through of LPRC's Zones of Influence by visiting Bosch online at BoschSecurity.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. This will be another in our series of special COVID-19 episodes. Um, Clearly, today, we're also going to be folding in another very critical issue, and that is um, what started as very peaceful and understandable um, public gatherings and demonstrations into uh, outside agitators leveraging those to uh, commit crime and um, attack people, burn structures, uh, and shoot at and shoot police officers and others. So what we'll do is kind of we'll talk, we'll cover both of those uh, in a rapid roundtable. Here I'm joined today as per normal by Tom uh, Meehan and Tony D'Onofrio um, and our producer Kevin Tran. So um, first of all, going to COVID-19, um, we know that most uh, organizations have or have executing are, are currently getting ready to execute 100-day plans or some version thereof, looking at, again, the still the hand-washing and social distance or the physical distance of, uh, of at least four to eight feet uh, seems to be the most powerful way not to transmit the virus. Uh, we continue to get more and more testing done, so the rates are showing um, much lower rates of infection as of the time of this recording uh, than was anticipated, and therefore also the number of asymptomatic and very, very low symptomatic um, people that are infected, uh, that, that may be actually a little higher as well. So um, stay tuned on all that. Uh, our R3, or Rapid Response Research, continues. We've got uh, some calls this week with a couple more retail chains where we're looking at um, using leveraging their, their uh, technologies, their, their CCTV and others sensors and ways to uh, evaluate, interview their customers and their uh, employees as well around curbside enhancing that so that it's more, it's safer, more efficient and cost effective. Um, Again, looking at no or a low, I'm sorry, low and no touch with uh, other transactions by return um, pickup and so forth. So in the stores. So there's more to come on some of the R3 efforts that are going on there. We belayed the LPRC Innovate call um, of our advisory panel this week for what's going on uh, in the world right now um, as well. Um, we're looking at how super spreaders might be the concern we talked about before and listened to uh, Dr. Southwick of University of Florida's um, infectious disease group. He's out of the uh, uh, Emerging Pathogens Institute. We mentioned uh, he's updated with Kevin on our team and they've come out or are coming out, uh, I believe this week with the report, an updated bullet point report on um, getting back in action and, and thriving despite covid Uh, or any other uh, emerging pathogens. So, but the idea of super spreaders and the distance that we need to do to take to reduce them, 
the probability of somebody getting infectious or certainly a, not only infectious, but serious dose uh, onboarding that is going to be critical to all that test and trace. That's all trying to be implemented uh, by the primarily as always at the county level, um, but then also at the state levels, uh, which are the normal places to handle um, uh, infectious diseases. Uh, so that's going to enable us to do a lot more. I know here at UF, uh, they've patented or getting ready to release a home kit test that just takes minutes and it just involves somebody um, spitting onto a uh, to a paper, putting it in a tube, shaking it up, and then waiting a few minutes for the response. So we're not going to have um, as much probing and things going on down the, down the road. Um, we'll end up having another a phase three cluster call probably in about two weeks with our retailer members um, as we continue to emerge from that. Um, switching rapidly over to what, again, started out as some peaceful demonstrations to uh, looting, riots, and other opportunistic crime. Uh, the restaurant LPSA has come out with some tips for, re for restaurants in this crisis. Um, LPRC, uh, Corey Lowe on our team pulled together every resource he could find yesterday. We all contributed to some editing on that and are continuing today as we record this uh, here on June 2nd. Um, looking at how we can, what are some quick action tips to secure uh, those places and spaces. Um, we know that if the bad guys don't know something of value is there or they can't get to it, we're down the road, then we go from there. We're trying to collect the data there from state, federal, and local law enforcement on what they're seeing as far as the tactics. Um, again, from the outside agitation groups that are coming in, um, whether they're named such as Revcom or Antifa or Boogaloo and things like that, but who the groups are, how they operate and communicate, um, as well as the opportunistic crime groups that have been observed. And now they're learning how they form up and go where they know law enforcement will not be because they're tied up with the, with the demonstrations and tied up with the looting and riots that are occurring. So um, there's a lot going on there. I guess the FBI is re-focusing uh, some of their people um, on the Joint Terrorism Task Forces to help um, support in this effort and to understand, uh, again, how these groups are operating. Um, this Because this situation can be more persistent than normal uh, because of the outside agitation groups um, and the rapid staging we saw across the entire United States from brick staging to um, and other projectiles to flammables and even breaching tools and so on. Um, and so stay tuned on that as we have more on it today at 1 p.m. Eastern. We're gonna have our first um, LPRC looting and riot cluster call. I know we've got over 20 chains so far committed to get on the call. Um, and we're gonna get some briefings from a few people to start off that call. So we'll be back and put out our report probably uh, this week, probably tomorrow, which would be Wednesday. Uh, the 3rd of June. So um, with no further ado, let me get over to Tom Meehan. Tom, take it from here. Thanks, Reed. So I, I certainly uh, think it's important to you know be reminded that COVID is still very much here while a lot of states are uh, into phase two, starting phase two. Uh, it's important to remind it, uh, be reminded of that. And uh, when I Think about the some of the civil disturbance, some of the things out there, all of the things uh, that we work so hard for uh, to keep social distancing uh, in a matter of nights. We have extremely large groups gathering, um, some with masks, some without. And uh, additionally, 
our first responders, police and fire have to, uh, again, get very much more involved and intimate with folks. So certainly um, kind of a, a statement that doesn't need a lot more than uh, it's a very interesting and certainly unprecedented times, you know, prior to this uh, podcast, Reed and I were just discussing how uh, if you really think about it in, you know, in modern time, even if you get back to the late sixties, the level of, uh, the level of civil disturbance today is, is very different. Um, and I think, you know, this is uh, where I'll lead into some of the technical side of it. Um, the suggestions that I would make, and this is going to be a lot more suggestions of things that I'm seeing and some facts behind it is, um, I think are, are kind of pertinent with both COVID-19 and some of the civil disturbance and things that are going on is, you know, now it's time to kind of dust off your social media or open source intelligence monitor, uh, monitoring program. Um, I think the majority of retailers have some sort of a formal social, uh, social media monitoring program. Um, I would strongly urge everybody here that this is the time to uh, really, really bolster that program to identify where things are happening. Reed actually mentioned the bricks, um, these pallets of bricks being laid down by these organized protesters. Um, there are a lot of social media channels that can tell you ahead of time, and I'll use Herald Square as an example. Um, there was a lot of posts. Uh, I, I happened to be traveling yesterday uh, and had some some windshield time. Uh, I was a passenger for 12 hours in a car, and there were a lot of posts that you, if you were a retailer, you could identify where these bricks were ahead of time. People were posting, oh, I saw this on the corner of X, um, and lo and behold, later that evening, these stores were vandalized. So it could be an indicator. And I say could, because this is happening live, right? That that's a story you need to board up or take extra special attention to, or potentially change your video monitoring habits. And um, the really interesting part here is most of the monitoring processes will happen the same way as COVID, uh, the COVID-19. One of the things, uh, the way you would monitor COVID-19 on social media, one of the things that came up yesterday was you now have this um, sur uh, surgeons of distraction um, type social engineering where your social engineers are taking advantage of, especially on the retail front, now is the time I'm going to attack the retailer to try to get into their infrastructure because if they weren't distracted before with COVID-19 and trying to figure out how to open, how about we go after it hard? So I, you will, we will see, and we have seen already, an influx of cyber attacks because let's face it, uh, our resources are more strained now than they have been uh, in really any documented time. So it's a good reminder there. It's also a good reminder to, you know, double check your physical security hygiene. And I know that at some points it's too late for this. And we talked about infrastructure challenges, but now is the time to make sure that, you know, all of the things that you have in place are working. And I think video and remote infrastructure is, you know, to, to observe and report, you know, uh, to get that video to law enforcement to run through, um, I happened to see a couple of videos yesterday in real time. I was live actually with um, a customer and saw um, the, the level of organization behind these attempts and this looting. Uh, these, these, the videos I saw were not um, groups of protesters. They were people driving up to locations and with U-Haul trucks and flatbeds and breaching doors. 
Um, these weren't groups of people walking by. So uh, this is certainly something to really be mindful of. Uh, I also think it, you know, and I, I'm sure Tony will, will touch on it. We talk about computer vision and facial recognition. It's a, it's a stark reminder of how some of these technologies that pose privacy concerns are the only technologies that will be beneficial at the end. And I, I say only in an absolute form. So I don't want to overstate that obviously it's not the only but as i was watching some of these videos uh there were a lot of unmasked individuals um and not for business reasons i thought wow this is a perfect example of where you know computer vision would help because you have an unmanned store and hundreds of people inside of it and later on um the the level of video you have will really play play heavily so good good reminder to, to just double check your infrastructure remotely take a look at where you're at and then something uh that is kind of more of a tip is there are a lot of services that are relatively inexpensive so um when i think about social media monitoring i i know a lot of people that were peers of mine and, and personal friends of mine do a lot of in-house social media monitoring and if anybody's read my book or heard me talk about this nothing's free so when you're doing it in-house you're tying up a resource um, there are a lot of really great tools out there that are available. Um, and there are a couple of tools that are non-traditional retail related, like firstresponders.net um, and, and Breaking News Network, where they you can subscribe to real-time uh, 911 services to actually identify what something's going on. I'd recommend people looking into that or looking into a formal uh, social media monitoring program. And while I, I hate to say that you know the, you'll kill two birds with one stone, now you have a way to create an ROI with monitoring your COVID situation and this civil disturbance situation. So, not not the typical kind of update that I would normally give, but I, I will tell you that um, uh, I was watching some things live yesterday. That um, for me, being forty four years old, I've never experienced anything like it. And um, while I was young during Rodney King, I remember that very well. I was. It, you know, responsible for an organization and asset protection when uh, Ferguson happened. And this to me is not like those two things. Certainly COVID plays a role. Um, and that, again, before I turn it over to Tony, Reed and I were talking about in the late 60s, there was a flu epidemic, a pandemic that was actually statistically larger than COVID-19. But I think a lot of people have short memories. And there were also civil disturbance then, but it, the civil disruption was so different than um, I think social media fuels it. I think the fact that everybody has high definition video cameras fuel it. But I also think that allows us as security professionals to do some of that corporate security intelligence and gather information where groups are going. Um, and I'm sure most, if not all the listeners have some level of program in place. Now would be the time to bolster it. It'll, it'll set you up for the future. It'll give you more information. So, uh, you know, I, I think uh, it's a, a stark reminder to, you know, everybody keep safe. I know we say wear our mask. You know, uh, we said that last time is uh, now it's just wear our mask and be extra spectral, uh, vigilant, uh, vigilant. And, um, you know, I, I actually was in uh, the Philadelphia market driving yesterday through um, and, you know, what heard people reminding their, their folks to not be engaged, to leave this alone. Don't get yourself in danger. And it's a really good reminder of that, um, you know, us as asset protection professionals want to save and keep our house safe. Uh, but when, when an event like this occurs, it's really important to get yourself and your associates to safety. Um, and with that, I'll turn it over to Tony. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, this is indeed very, very surreal time. Uh, 2020 is shape, shaping up to be quite a, quite a different kind of year. It's not the perfect vision year that everybody thought was going to deliver the 
Futura Retail many years ago and writing about it. So I think this is a, these are really tough time. The, the things that uh, Reed and uh, Tom have just spoken about in terms of the violence and the rights that are going on. It's very, very important that we all stay engaged in terms of listening to these podcasts and, and get the latest information, get engaged with LPRC and the different groups to understand how retailers are responding and also pay attention in terms of what's happening in the background of retail because this too will pass and we need to be ready in terms of not just with the violence that is taking place right now, but also the COVID-19 that is also taking place at the same time. So how do we understand what the, what is happening around these two major issues right now and what does retail look like on the other side? So while Reed and Tom focused a little bit in terms of uh, the violence and the, and the, the near-term stuff, I'm going to today continue to share some of the other data that's in the market and how retail is changing. So let me start with the top five websites that experienced the most traffic growth in May. And it gives you an idea in terms of what consumers are doing. So they continue to shop online. So the number one site with the most um, site was a site called Twilight Time. They sell classic films and they were up 798%. The second one was... Uh, GNR merchandise, and they actually are a band, uh, a music band, Guns N' Roses, and their merchandise sales, uh, the site's activity was up 705%. And then the third was Best Buy Furniture, uh, because consumers are, are remodeling. And interesting that f- four out of, the, out of the top 25 sites were roller skater sellers. So there's a lot of activity going on online in terms of different things that consumers are buying online. Uh, also, in uh, uh, in terms of M&A, that's slowing down dramatically because of all the issues that are going on. In fact, uh, for Q1 2020, it was the lowest level since Q3 2009 in terms of acquisitions that were going on in the retail space. Worldwide, there were only 123 total transactions. Uh, China continues to recover out of their uh, out of their crisis. Uh, the, the projections right now are for sales in China to decrease four percent, which is an improvement from the previous negative forecast of four and a half. And next year, they're only expected to grow three and a half percent, which roughly they were growing six to eight percent before. And these numbers do exclude restaurants and catering, so you'll see different numbers. But China is coming back, but not coming back as strong as everyone um, is actually expected. Um, in terms of uh, U.S. consumers, uh, they are starting to also go back into stores, uh, again, with the current crisis that we're talking about in terms of violence being exceptions. But department stores is one of the places that are going less. In fact, 71% are saying they those shop less at department stores and malls. And they'll spend less. So the play uh, right now, the data is saying that they'll spend about $100 less in malls and large department stores, and that actually is more than what they'll spend less at dining out and uh, and on fuel. What was interesting to me this week is how, again, in going back to China, how they're ramping up, how their companies are ramping up social commerce and using social media or live streaming to actually do a lot more of it. And the more active company of that is Alibaba. And Alibaba is actually hiring 100,000 
online influencers right now around the world to ramp up their original content uh, to get people to shop on their AliExpress uh, uh, platform. Their plan is in three years to actually have a million people, a million people, influencers selling online. And again, this is at the international scales outside of China. And they're, and they're going to focus on 100 key opinion leaders who will each earn about a million bucks annually, basically pushing uh, the product. Initial focus is going to be in Europe. They're going to do it in English. Uh, they already have, I was surprised, they're already in 200 countries, Alibaba, in terms of international operations, and their users are primarily under the age of uh, 35. That's really their target base. Um, so uh, worldwide, they have about 960 million, 180 million of those are international, and live streaming was extremely successful, and live streaming is really QVC on steroids in terms of doing a lot of entertaining selling. That was up 88% for them in the, in the last quarter. Uh, going back to COVID-19, um, a lot of data is coming out in terms of how expensive it is to outfit stores. Uh, Costco reported that they spent an extra $283 million in the most recent quarter, quarter to basically outfit their stores for COVID-19. Amazon said they spent $600 million and are reserving $4 billion for this quarter, which really impacted uh, their earnings in uh, the last quarter. Uh, in, terms of the, uh, their, uh, in terms of the masks that was brought up uh, by Tom, in terms of who wear masks, so what percent of consumers are wearing masks outside home for the week of May 10? So in the U.S., in China, it's 78%. In the U.S., it's uh, 67% which was a high number. I was surprised by that, but that's a spike from 39% for the week of April 12th. In Germany, it's 56%. And in the UK, it's only 13%, which actually was a, a shocker for me. A lot more focus on contactless commerce, um, and that includes what would read, but brought up another cause, which is curbside pickup, which is up 36%. And we're doing other things like we're doing more doctors virtually, that's up 27%. And we're doing a lot more food deliveries, which are up uh, 23%. And then finally, uh, there was a study that uh, this week that actually I wrote a blog about, which is uh, the most powerful, the most valuable brands in retail 2020 it was just published and it was published actually during COVID-19. And these are the retailers that um, are actually positioned and the number one most valuable brand in retail worldwide is Amazon. And actually they're far ahead of everybody. Number two, I mentioned it in this summary, it's Alibaba. Number three is McDonald's. Number four is Home Depot. And number five is Louis Vuitton. And, and branding, once we get through the crisis of the violence is gonna become even more important in terms of retailers uh, surviving and thriving. So that's a little bit of the data that's going around retail while we deal with not just COVID-19, but also all the other issues that U.S. retail is dealing right now. And with that, I'm going to turn it over back to Reed. Thank you, Tony and Tom, for both of your uh, important insights uh, as we go through normal normalcy, which now not only includes COVID-19 uh, pandemic, but now we're also talking about some pretty widespread uh, looting uh, and other violence um, targeted against retailers. They're, they're places, but also their people. So um, 
with no further ado, I'm going to thank uh, Tony D'Onofrio and Tom Meehan and Kevin Tran, our producer. Thank all of you all. Please be safe. Please send us your ideas, your questions, comments, and suggestions to uh, Kevin at lpresearch.org uh, as we continue to strive to make crime science podcasts ever more usable and actionable by you and your teams, your colleagues, um, and cohorts. So from Gainesville, Florida, this is Reed Hayes uh, signing off. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.